Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We know you're busy. Bills to pay, mouths to feed, and the man needs another favor. So just in case you missed what happened on the fan today, we got your back. And even if you did hear it live, you probably need to hear it again. Here you go, all in one place and in just one hour. The best of the best from today on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. This is Instant Replay. This morning on The Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. All right, let's go on out to the Payless Liquors Hotline. Daniel Jeremiah joins us. You'll see him all over the NFL network, also host of the podcast, Move the Sticks, and he joins us here on this Tuesday. Daniel, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I know your schedule is busy. Let's start here. Uh, Besides Caleb Williams and all the drama, perhaps, around him, uh, what is the main storyline besides Caleb Williams for you that you'll be watching going into the Combine this week? Well, for me, it's going to be these other two positions with tackles and receivers, which feel like the deepest in the draft to me by a considerable margin. So I'm anxious to see if that holds serve, you know, get a chance to see these guys live in person, uh, see how big they are, get a chance to see these guys move around a little bit. So uh, that would probably be the, the, the biggest storyline for me. It's it, On the outside coming into this week, it looks like a great, great group of, tight, of uh, tackles and wideouts. Again, Daniel Jeremiah, obviously, as Andy said, you'll see him all over the NFL Network, does an outstanding job when it comes to the draft. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. Daniel, your latest mock, you had Nate Wiggins to the Colts at 15. Interesting enough, you had Brock Bowers dropping to 18 to Cincinnati. Uh, any thought to Bowers there at 15 to Indianapolis? That would be a heck of a pick. I think I might have done it there in the uh, previous one. I, I, they all start blending together when you're doing <laughs> these mock drafts. But that would be uh, it. Would be a, a great fit in Indianapolis if he were to go there. Just from a standpoint of it's you know to me, it kind of reminds me of Dallas Clark with a jetpack strapped to his back. Mm. So it would be a uh, it would be something that Colts fans would have a lot of fun watching. But usually when I'm when I'm doing those. Um, you know, mock drafts since Chris Ballard got there. I try and just find the toolsiest, traitsiest player I can find and throw him in there. And uh, and Wiggins fits that mold. Very smart move, knowing Chris Ballard and how much he loves those uh, RAS scores when it comes to the draft. I'm curious, depth-wise, wideout versus edge rusher. Because in my opinion, Daniel, this team right now, those are the two needs I kind of put above the rest. So when you weigh that at, like, pick 15, what type of edge rusher would you be looking versus – you know, wideout-wise, is there more depth there if you were to wait on that until whatever, you come around the middle of round two? Yeah, there's a zillion receivers. So if it came down and it was anywhere close and you get a chance to get one of the top three edge rushers, for sure it's a no-brainer. Um, I, I think you'd go edge rusher. Even if it was your fourth guy, I think you could make a strong case that, well, you're still going to have receiver options. You're going to like it, pick 46. So. Um, you know, I think Ty, Ty definitely goes to the edge rusher in that scenario. Daniel Jeremiah joining us uh, from the NFL, uh, from the NFL Network, hosts the podcast Move the Sticks. You'll see him all over, uh, be knocking out of the park there for the NFL Network. You know, we talked about this, JJ McCarthy. Uh, it seems, it seems, and you tell us a consensus that he will go before fifteen uh, to the Colts. So that would put four quarterbacks. Do you believe that to be true? How big is this week for a guy? I like J.J. McCarthy, and then do you think a fifth quarterback could slip in there before the Colts at 15, given that so many teams are looking at quarterbacks this season? Yeah, you know, look, it sounds crazy when you say that big of a number, but I, you know, I wouldn't rule anything out at this point in time. I do know we got to get through, uh, you know, we got to get through free agency, see what the musical chairs looks like, uh, see where these veterans land, and and and. Uh, you know, in terms of the teams that are picking ahead of them, if they are able to solve that with a veteran, that could change the math a little bit. But I do feel, I do feel strongly we're going to get four. You know, and whether mm-hmm. that's McCarthy or Bo Nix, or you know, maybe you know somehow panics were to get up in there. But there's just the math doesn't work. It's too many teams that need quarterbacks. Again, he's Daniel Jeremiah. He's with us here on the Payless Slickers Hotline. NFL Network coverage going to ramp up later this week. The so prospects get on the field Thursday for 
workouts. Uh, speaking of QBs, Michael Penix, 38th guy on your board. How much of that is due to the medicals? Uh, and where do you exactly see him falling when it's all said and done? Yeah, that's the biggest concern. I mean, it's hard to put a list together on the outside because as currently constructed, the Move the Six podcast does not have a medical team. Um, <laughs> so we're working on that. We're going to see if we can maybe get that accomplished. Good luck on that. Uh, but, yeah, so, yeah, that's it's going to be a little bit of an unknown from the outside. The teams will have all that information that they need. Uh, but that would be the number one concern. Then I would say, you know, just some of the pocket movement stuff. You saw You saw his ability to do that in the Texas game. Uh, but there are other games where, you know, it just, you know, wasn't really creative um, in terms of being able to move around and, and get away from things. So uh, those would be kind of the two limiting factors. But, man, the guy can throw the heck out of it. He's got a power, power arm. He can drive it. Throws a beautiful deep ball. Um, so there's there's a lot to like there. I kind of put him in that, that second round second round range for me. Um, just kind of waiting on, uh, on, on hearing some information from these teams and how he comes out of this week medically. Okay, you kind of let off with wide out tackle, great depth there. Where is it shallow in this year's draft class? Uh, I don't think it's a great tight end group. Um, running back wise, we don't have high end guys, but we've got a good group of six to eight guys that I think are, you know, worthy of going on day two at some point in time. Um, so there, there's that group. Uh, I get other positions around linebacker, off the ball linebacker is not great. Uh, I think we have one first round caliber um, off the ball linebacker and Edger and Cooper. And then after that, it, you know, you start to fall off and it's not quite as deep. So uh, yeah, it's definitely this year more than any other. It feels like we've got some loaded positions and some that are pretty shallow. Daniel Jeremiah joining us here. It's a wake up call here on the fan on this Tuesday joins us on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, he's doing football workouts, Daniel. He's not doing the combine workouts. What do you make of that? And then I guess some of the internet murmurings that some teams may have Malik neighbors actually a little bit higher than Marvin Harrison Jr. Do you believe that? And what do you make of kind of his workout schedule and how he's approaching the next six, seven, eight weeks or so? Yeah, I mean, I look, I, I don't, I don't uh, have anything negative to say about his decision not to do anything. I mean, in some ways, I feel like it'd be like going to a uh, young Mariah Carey and asking her to audition, you know, like, you're kind of like, okay, well, I've kind of seen everything I can do here. Do I really need to do more? So I, I get it. I mean, the interesting thing with him, he went through the whole pro day last year at Ohio state. Hmm. So when CJ Stroud was out there throwing, he was out there running routes, teams taking notes on him. So I'm curious to see, even when we get to the pro day, how much you're going to see him uh, really do. But, uh, you know, in terms of how close it is, I, I have really close grades I have a Dunze actually over neighbors, but all three of those guys, I mean, I think those are those are all top five players in this draft class. That is a great group of wideouts. He's a great Daniel Jeremiah. Certainly draft coverage, his specialty. When it comes to NFL Network, you'll see him a lot this week live here over at Lucas Oil Stadium. Again, we'll be down at the convention center each of the next three mornings for live shows. Daniel, specifically for me, when I think of wideout tight end for the Colts, I think of getting a guy that can really impact post-catch. You know, the Colts have got a lot of power forwards in their room. You know, Josh Downs, a nice slot guy. And I get these guys are hard to find, but, you know, it's those guys you throw the ball to, boom, they go make the play with the ball in their hands. If you thought of some guys post-catch in this draft class, wideout tight end-wise, who stands out to you? Yeah, I mean, from the, uh, you know, from the wideout standpoint, it's, it's Malachi Corley. I mean, he's the best run-after-catch guy out of Western Kentucky. He's you know, I think he's even if you looked up his uh, his handle on social media, I think is like Yak King or Yak Monster or something. <laughs> he, he takes uh, he takes a lot of pride in that. Uh, and he's the best in this class with the ball in his hands. One of the ones that's kind of uh, uh, that I really like. We've talked so much about Lad McConkey as a route runner in this uh, in this draft season, but with the ball in his hands, he can make you miss and run away from you too, out of Georgia. So he's a he's a fun one. Who actually somebody I was talking to the, the other day. Uh, compared him to Brandon Stokely, which I thought was kind of an interesting one because you know it wasn't you know Brandon could play outside, could play inside, and, and you guys know him well. There uh, was a really really good player, so that that would be another receiver. Uh, McLaughlin would be the tight end I'd keep an eye on out of Arizona. He's really really good with the ball in his hands, um, and uh, kind of a little bit of an under the radar guy. Probably be like a fourth round pick, um, but I I like his game a lot. Yeah, Daniel Jeremiah is with us. Move the sticks is the podcast, and again, plenty of appearances coming up this week. On NFL Network, you'll see him alongside Rich Eisen for all of their coverage. Uh, locally here, I know not a ton of flavor, but certainly if you go up to South Bend, you're going to get some. Uh, Joe Alt, the offensive tackle there, I assume he's a top 10 pick in your eyes? Yeah, he's he's just so safe and clean and 
you know, look, this, he, he doesn't, you know, he's not the, quite the athlete or the mover that maybe some of the, you know, tonsils are or some of those guys that we've seen over the years, maybe not quite in that class, I, you know, with Slater or Sewell. But he's, he's just really, really technically sound, and the guy's dang enormous. So um, you're not going to get you're not going to get through him, and he just doesn't really get beat. So uh, to me, he's he's like the he, I had him as a top offensive lineman just because I feel like it's just you're parking that ball right in the middle of the fairway. Daniel Jeremiah with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Uh, Daniel, what do you believe? I don't know some of the noise around Kayla Williams. Does he want to play in Chicago? Does he not want to play in Chicago? That sort of thing. Uh, you know, could the Bears trade out and continue to move down a time or two and continue? You know, their last couple years of just this arsenal of first and second and third round picks. What do you believe to be true? Uh, and what kind of conversations are you expecting this week at the Combine surrounding Caleb Williams and will he play for Chicago and just all of that noise right now? Well, you know, one of the things I'm looking forward to most here is just hearing from Caleb Williams because, you know, look, he doesn't have an agent and he's the, you know, kind of the point person of this draft. He's the face of this draft and has been for over a year. So everybody has theories. Everybody's heard this from another person who heard it from another person who heard it from another person. Uh, there's very little concrete information on that. So I'm I'm anxious to actually hear him speak for himself. You know, is he, you know, is he okay with with going to Chicago? Does he want to be the first pick? And um, you know, what is he plan on doing from now till the draft? So I, that's that's to me what I'm just waiting on. I know one thing: the kid is ridiculously talented. Yeah. No, he's really good. Are you a Drake May? Uh, second, your latest mock draft, you had him going second. Again, we'll see with all the trades. You actually, uh, you had Jane Daniels making it all the way to six in the New York Giants. Why do you have May second? Why do you have Daniels third? Yeah, that's still TBD on that one. Um, I I ended up, uh, you know, I, I wanted to do something different. I have quarterbacks going one, two, three in the first one. I think that's what ends up happening. And if it's not with New England, it would be with the trade. I just in these mock drafts, especially before free agency, I'm like, I'm not going to do trades in this thing. I just <laughs> let's just wait. So connecting him more with the team than necessarily the slot sure. and the Giants being a, a quarterback team. So that's where I had him going there. But in terms of those two guys, yeah, that's that's one of the things. Um, that's going to be one of my projects I'm looking forward to as you kind of jam through to get all 330 of these guys done before the combine. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to once this is over, going back and having a chance to do a, a deeper dive on those two guys. Because, you know, make no mistake, Jaden Daniels played better than Drake May this year. Um, I don't think anybody would really refute that. But, uh, you know, it's kind of the, the body of work as well as kind of the build, the frame, um, you know, kind of the, the, the raw tools that Drake May has. That's why I have him ahead of, of Jaden Daniels right now. But that one's not uh, that one's not in ink. Let's put it that way. All right, Daniel, we'll end with this. And as always, we appreciate your time here. I know it's a busy week, and your schedule combine-wise has really shifted in years with now the you know workouts becoming at night a little bit more. Uh, if I took St. Elmo's off the board, mm. what, what is your uh, one go-to stop here in the city of Indianapolis? Well, I mean, does it count? Isn't like isn't Harry and Izzy's owned by the same people? Is that like? Yeah, and it's kind of a cop out answer if I'm going to be totally honest. Yeah, <laughs> I, I that's all. You know what I do? I go there and I go to Chick Fil A and I sit in my room and I watch tape. Now, that <laughs> You're damn right. Spoken like a draft guru right. right there. That honestly sounds like a pretty good like weekend away. If I'm going to be totally honest with you there. <laughs> there used to be a good sushi place that I used to go to with one of my buddies. I've been coming here for 20 plus years. And then it shut down about five years ago. And there was literally three straight years where we walked to it and forgot that it shut down. <laughs> I thought you were going to say steak and shake right there on the corner of Maryland. And, uh... No, I've done, I've done my steak and shake. It's not a proud oh, moment, man. but I've done it. He is Daniel Jeremiah. You'll see his coverage all week long here on NFL Network live from Indianapolis. Daniel, safe travels, man. Uh, Appreciate the time. I appreciate you guys. Have a good week. It's the best of the best from today's broadcast lineup. Instant replay continues in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
This is Instant Replay. Earlier this afternoon on The Ride with JMV. On the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, he is a friend of the show. He is a former Big Ten Player of the Year. He's a former NBAer, and he helps me sleep better at night, not by watching some of the basketball we more than occasionally see around here, but with Aurora Sleep Clinic, helps me sleep at night. The lefty, Terre Haute South, Teradice, Brian Evans joins us. Hello, man. Hey, John. How are you? Welcome to Teradice. I know you know it as Teradice just like I do. I'd be loving me some Teradice. Oh, man, I'm going back on Sunday. I'm going to see the fellas play over there and see what's happening in that uh, regular season finale at the Holman Center. Hey, have you gone to a place called Bar Bosco? It's where Simmerals used to be. Have you been there? I have not. Last time I was over there, there was nothing but old Simmerals skeletal remains. That was it. Oh, man. Just do yourself a favor. Really? you got to go there. Well, it tell is me more. It. It's authentic Italian on 7th Street. I know that there were some dudes that had an apartment above Simmerals, and we had some hellaciously awesome parties there back in the early 90s above Simmerals. So this is a great eatery, man. Go check it out. I do. I do. I was at 8th and Crawford, which basically was diagonal from from Simmerals uh, by a block. 8th and Crawford, 6th and Deming, and uh, 606 South 5th Street. I'm telling Those you. Those are all crack houses now, John. There's no doubt about that. They were crack houses before. I've got a great picture. I've got a great picture of me having a party. Uh, and I have the closet door. I took the closet door off because it was snowing and the snow, there was no flu in the chimney and the snow went straight down the chimney and landed in the living room floor. <laughs> it was like Little House on the Prairie. That's great. <laughs> but I loved it, man. See, I, it's not like now. Now if you go to school in Bloomington at IU, you live in some, you know, brownstone. Right. Like, and and there, I got some friends who've got kids down there. Tell me what it costs every month for a, a room. Like your room is seven to $900. What? <laughs> Do you remember what you paid when you were in the in the snow house? Oh yeah, I think I think I paid seventy five dollars a month. <laughs> That's what you get for seventy five bucks. And I left I left a check on the refrigerator on top of the and Emmett Munyan would come by and grab it every month. And I told I told Emmett Munyan I said as long as the toilet doesn't clog we're all good here brother we're good. That's paradise right there. That's paradise. As long as the toilet doesn't clog, which it have its issues. Because I, I live with a bunch of dudes from Greene County, because you can imagine how that probably went. Especially when you're talking to cross the river in Greene County. That's when it gets rough. Yeah, so, those are the bad, that's the bad seeds over there. The bad we, we seeds. We had the same thing with the Wabash. We, the West Terrahotians, they're... It ain't paradise over there, okay? What is that? The uh, the name synonymous over there? Is it DeGroat or DeGroaty? Yep. Right? DeGroat. DeGroat. Yep. They're the DeGroat family of athletes in West Terre Haute. Yep. There's, there's, a, there's a handful of good athletes over there. Um, a few of them were DeGroats. Yeah. Uh, there were some other guys. There was a dude that was a relief pitcher named Derek Thomas. I think that he was he may have been from North Central and Farmersburg on the ISU baseball team when I was a senior. So he got he got he got kicked off or at least out of our spring break trip. We went to LSU and University of New Orleans, and he was caught by uh, Bob Warren drinking on Bourbon Street. And uh, he and some other player got sent home, I believe, from spring break. And then their parents picked him up and they went to Florida while the baseball team got their ass whipped by LSU. <laughs> well, there was a guy that I played against that was a year ahead of me. That was a pretty good baseball player, pretty good basketball player. He's a six-one-two lefty, really good defender, kind of built guy. His name was Steve Skank. I won't ever forget him. His last name was Skank. Skank. I love that. Yeah, it was awesome. That's I may change so my name to that right here. The ride with Skank would be awesome. I'm gonna change it. <laughs> <laughs> I um, Rowdy Williams, who's a lawyer over there now. He was a little bit older than you, right? A couple years, yeah. Yeah, I was a sophomore his senior year. And Tony McGee, obviously, yep. who played in the NFL, was a couple of years older than you, man. So in Terre Haute South, really Terre Haute North and Terre Haute South, you guys had some talent over there then. Rick Petty and Scott Roberts. Yes. Were at, uh, they were maybe a year ahead, but they were good at North. Mark Heisel was there. No, we 
there were some pretty good hoops being played there for a few years in a row. Speaking of good hoops, Brian Evans joins us, the former Hoosier. Um, what are we figuring out down the, the stretch here, beginning tonight with IU and Wisconsin? What do you make since the last time we have an opportunity to talk on this show about what you've seen since? Uh, not not winning, obviously, is one. No, it seems like um, it's just slipping. You know, every game, it just seems like it's getting worse to, to be down 20 to Northwestern at home, um, to lose to – you know, that'd be at halftime to and give up 51 points to, to lose at home to Nebraska, who hadn't won a road game in the Big Ten. It's just, um, you know, people are sending me, you know, statistics, and I can't tell you the name of the – I'll send it to you. But it, it basically the, the, the story it tells, this, this chart, is that we are the worst team in the Big Ten. You know, we've cascaded statistically lower than Michigan, who's in last place. Um, but, man, we are – we look really lost right now, and it, it, it to me it looks like um, it looks like he's lost the team. You know, and that's you never want to see that in any sport. You never want to be able to say the coach has lost the team, but that's what it looks like. How many times in your playing history could you say, and not necessarily the team that you're on, just any team in general, where you could watch a team and feel, and accurately so feel that the coach had lost the team? Anybody stand out? Yeah, you know, I've seen it, and you know, I'd have to sit here and think about it. But I've seen it in the NBA, you know, you get on a losing streak, and you know, I was on a team that um, my first year, and Shaq had left, you know, left as a free agent for LA um, that you know the summer that I was drafted by the team, and I I saw it there. Everything changed for the players. Like Shaq, <laughs> the realization I think sunk in about fifteen to twenty games into the season that. Wow, the big guy was pretty good, and he got us. He made all of our jobs way easier, um, just because of his greatness and his dominance. And was, you know, his strength, all that stuff, just made. You know, he was drawing triple teams, right? So look at what that opens up for all these other guys, <clears throat> and, it, and it did, right? So I got there after he was gone, and I, I want to say we traded for Felton Spencer. You remember him from Louisville? I do. Yes. Um, you know, and that poor guy had to, you know, fill that hole, you know, with Shaq gone. And then they traded him, and it, it became Ronnie Cycli, who did a much better – Ronnie was pretty pretty daggone good. Um, but what happened was the guys <laughs> – the players started pointing fingers at each other. And, like, you know, everyone's job just got so much harder. And then at some point in time, it's like the fingers start pointing at the coach. And the co- in the NBA, the coach is the first guy that goes. And um, so I kind of saw that, you know, guys that kind of quit on him and, and – in order to get a, a new guy in there, they just kind of stopped playing. And, you know, so I, I was a part of a team that I feel like kind of turned on the coach or just to, you know, just decided that, you know, we, we can't take the blame ourselves, so we're going to put it on him. That's a, that's a little bit different. But I, I've seen it more in the NBA where you just know that the guys know they can they can force change. And, you know, that's I think it's different than college, but, in the NBA, if guys stop playing for a guy, that guy is going to be gone real fast. It's uh, former Hoosier Brian Evans on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I pointed this out, and and I guess you can speak to this as guys you know, quitting on their coach, but there are times they go through stretches with such a profound lack of of effort, determination, juice, drive, however you want to cliche describe it. And I, I think that points the finger. It is exactly what you're talking about right here. That's exactly how it looks in terms of these guys with their coach and the motivation that they're getting. Well, and as a fan, and, and as I watch it, it, it's even more frustrating. When now, as a as a fan base, we all have a pretty good idea. Maybe not exact dollars, but we know they're getting paid, and some of them are getting paid a lot. And the ones that you know are not performing for us and, and maybe when we're questioning their effort to, to think that they're, you know, they're living the life of rock stars on campus. That just gets under, I, I don't know how it is for everybody else, sure. but that bugs me. I mean, it bugs me thinking we're not getting the effort that we deserve. And these guys are making a pile of money. They're out earning off us. <laughs> we're, yeah. we're working every day, yeah. going home and watching them and going, these guys are getting paid more than us and they're not trying. Yeah. I, and and that's how because Brian these guys they're talented they have talented guys 
but more times oh, than not, either either you can view them as not at all well coached or without the 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 desire that's necessary. But there's talent there. I saw a, uh, something the other day because now people are pissed, right? And and, and now right. stuff's flying. You're hearing rumors, and people are making stuff up about you know conversations about a new coach. I mean. I, I, I hate that part, right? The, the the rumor mill sucks. I did see something that was disturbing about um, the amount of stars, like five stars and four stars that we have on our team. We have the most fi- the most stars in the Big Ten, and we are statistically in last place uh, across all the analytics in the Big Ten. That's a bad look, man. That is a that ain't good for anybody that likes Indiana basketball to see that we've got the most talent. I mean, and I would say, I think we have the strongest front court in the country. I mean, really, I mean, think about it. We got, you know, a lot of, very few play with a front court for one. Let's just hey, hey, Brian, very few play with a front court, certainly a front court of that size. Well, I believe we have 14 or 15 stars. It had our front, you know, two fives yeah. and a four or three five stars. I, I don't know what Renew was. I thought he was four. I'm not sure he was four or five, but dude, how many how many teams are starting 14 or 15 stars in their front court in the country? I bet we're the only one. Yeah, then uh, the <laughs> they lose out. Brian Brian Evans joins us. It, does that usher in? A decision that needs to be made, or do you think a decision regarding Mike Woodson already needs to be made? Where do you think we are with that? Oh, I don't know, man. I, you know, I, you got to put some faith and some uh, trust into the leadership, right? That they're seeing what everybody's seeing. You know, I, they're, I don't think they're watching a different game. I mean, they're, they're seeing the stats, they're, they're seeing all the same stuff. So you, I think you got to put a little trust in the group that's making decisions that they want us to be uh, relevant, you know, and we're not, and we're certainly not um, I, losing out. I, golly, if you lost your last, how many in a row we already lost four, three, four. And if we lost five more, no, we have four or five more big 10 games and then a, call it six more games. Gosh, if you lost nine or 10 in a row to end the season, I, I don't know that there's a decision to make. Yeah. I think it's pretty obvious. When has that ever happened? I, I uh, uh, what uh, they've won two of their last ten, I think something like that. I believe two of their last ten. Well, I, I think this I, this sucks, right? Yeah, and, and that was a huge part of the risk of, of hiring one of our own. Is what if it doesn't work out? Yep. You know what? And it certainly doesn't look like it has worked out. Is how do you you know that sucks to to tell you know one of your greatest players of all time to pack his stuff. That sucks, you know. And that, and I didn't like. That was part of the risk of the hire to me, and it wasn't just his coaching resume, and they'd never been in college. That was that was risk enough. But the other risk is just this part: like, what if it's no good? Because, man, that's an iconic guy and a name, and a you know, the Indiana basketball. Myself, I mean, it's, it, it means something, right? And you know, it sucks if that's what has to happen. But that's where we are. It doesn't look good, right? No. I mean, if if you lose your last eight or nine games. Where he's at a position now with three years left on his contract, where to go out and recruit the high school sophomores and juniors, you know, normally the agent would be looking for an extension, right? Hey, how can I, how can I go into a living room and sell this mom and this dad that I'm going to coach their kid if I have a, you know, two or three years on my contract? And I don't know how the university can look at, you know, performance based you know, the results and say, let's, let's talk about an extension. I just don't see how that could happen. So we're at a crossroads. I I don't think there's any question about that. Got Wisconsin tonight at seven o'clock, 93 WIBC coverage underway with Don Fisher. That begins at six, Uh, Maryland and Minnesota on the road, then Michigan state to close out the regular season on March the 10th. And then, um, you know, obviously a first day matchup in the big 10 tournament. And yeah, that, um, it doesn't look like anything. Nothing's been winnable as of late, and that doesn't certainly provide any uh, any great expectations as far as closing out the season with a win. I would have to ask you this, and Brian Evans joins us. You mentioned the leadership that is down there right now. Scott Dolson, for example, 
Um, where does he stand to you as far as where this program is and where this team is, that decision that was made? Because you talk about the, the leadership and the guidance. Is that something that, that you and others have lost a little bit of trust in, the way that this has gone with Mike Woodson, especially here recently? Uh, ask me that again. Ask, ask me again. Do, you, do you lose trust with Scott that? Dolson? You mentioned the leadership down yeah. in Bloomington with the athletic programs in mind. Do you lose trust because of the way this has gone in Scott Dolson? Does Scott Dolson uh, making that decision or making any other decision moving forward? No, I don't think. I, I don't think there's a. a I, I haven't lost trust. Um, nobody signed up for this. You know, I mean, it, this this has gone bad. And, it, and, and and the product on the court is not what anybody wants, um, not what anybody wants to see and cheer for. I mean, I'm, I, I have a ton of concern for tonight if if we're playing poorly, um, that they get booed, you know, and that they're chanting, you know, fire Woodson and that that stuff, man, that hurts. That that hurts bad. Our, our fan base, um, I've said this forever, is our greatest asset. They are. We we've got such a great fan base. Uh, even through tough times, I mean, we we haven't. We haven't let's face it. You know, where are we? Where have we been recently? Not relevant. And yet, we've got this great fan base that cares about this team and loves this team. Um, we gotta. We've gotta trust and believe that. You know, and when we've we've made coaching changes before, we've got to trust that they're going to do the right thing. That that everybody wants to win. There, there's there's nothing that's going to get in the way of us wanting to win and turn this thing around. And we got to do whatever we have to do to to make that happen. So I, I haven't lost. Um, trust or faith that we've got leadership that wants what's best for Indiana basketball. We, we, we have that. that. That leadership exists. Wisconsin tonight, 7 o'clock. Again, coverage begins at 6 with Don Fisher, 93 WIBC. It is a, a Peacock programming element later on this evening. It is. and Former Hoosier, Big Ten Player of the Year, former NBA Brian Evans on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Everything going okay? Getting everybody to the bed rest that's necessary, just like me, right? Now you just keep you just keep talking about us. We keep getting uh, yes. JMV folks. They come see us all the time, and we I think we've I, we think we've helped a lot of your listeners. If you if you want to stop snoring, you got to come see us. If you're getting pressure from the the bed partner, come yes. see us. If you if you were ever diagnosed with obstructive sleep apnea, and you were prescribed a CPAP that you hated and you stopped using. You still have obstructive sleep apnea. Come see us. We can help you. It's a simple mouthpiece. There's not much to it. It's easy, right? I used to be like Fred Flintstone, man. When he would snore, remember, and he would like blow up the roof on the house, and then it would fall back down when he would he, had, no, he would inhale. Cover, his cover would his cover would go up to the ceiling and then come back down <laughs> and then go back up. Come on, I was watching. We in 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 Paradise, It was like a three thirty. And 4 o'clock, it played for an hour straight. So I had just enough time to walk home from Honey Creek Junior High School, get some better cheddars or some... Better uh, cheddars, that's awesome. And a biscuit and, yes. my, and a, two Mountain Dews and sit down and watch an hour of Flintstones and then the Brady Bunch. You know, it's funny. You mentioned that. I'm a cracker guy. It has much more uh, of a diverse meaning now than it did when I'm talking about. But I'm a much I'm a cracker guy too. Better cheddars and chicken and biscuit. Outstanding crackers right there. Well done. Yes. 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 No, hey, not good for you. Let's I'm not, sure it's not. Eat these as adults. But when I was 12, it was that was a big part of my diet. There's nothing good for us anymore. I remember in the 90s when it was supposed to be low fat and high carb to eat rice, to eat pasta, snack wells by the boxes. Give me that box of snack well chocolate chip cookies, and now it's all bad for us. We suck. So, let, me, let me throw this one at you. Um, avocado. I remember like my mom wanted me to eat it. I didn't like it. It was green. Yeah. Um, guacamole. My mom and daddy, and they're like, oh, this is, you know, don't eat very much. It's really, really fatty. And now Tom Brady eats like he's the greatest athlete still playing when he's 50 years old, and, and he eats, you know, 20 avocados a day. I mean, come on, man. How, how We were just being lied to. How do we? I thought Mountain Dew was healthy. Yeah, see, I mean, I thought every morning if you got up and had a, a Mountain Dew and a honey bun, a Hostess honey bun, that that was a nutritious breakfast. 
Because <laughs> they told us eggs eggs were bad. They were high in cholesterol. Eggs apparently in twenty twenty four are like the healthiest thing you can eat. I quit. We stink, I, I man. Wrote, I, we... I just I still know it's not chicken and a biscuit. Oh, I love that though. That and better cheddars. Like the only thing I didn't like was what they called sociables. I didn't have any taste. It's like wallpaper paste. But the other no, two were money. Yeah. No good. I hey. could be talking to a Trisket occasionally. Hey, one of these days we got to head down to Bloomington and go to Buffalo's or something and hang out for a minute, all right? I was there yesterday, pal. Were you really? I was uh, I was through there on Sunday. True story. Nice. Yeah, because hey, my kids... will open in Carmel in a couple months. I, I'd like to have you up into my neck of the woods. Let's we'll do it. I love hey, Buffalo's. Uh, here's what's cool. You ready for this? Yeah. They are going to um, wait the tables, so there's going to be a staff... Um, a staff to, you know, so you're not going up and ordering at the window and sitting down with your food. And they're doing beer, wine, and spirits, pal. They're going to have spirits at this one. So I'm excited. I am spirited when you're talking about spirits right there. Let's do it. All right, I'm 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 hosting you. Come on up. I went to Buffalo's in Bloomington and got a bunch of stuff before the Super Bowl, too. My kids wanted to go. So we went in there. Best wings, period. End of yep. story. Yeah, and then we stopped on Sunday and went through there because my kids wanted to go to uh, Five Guys on Kirkwood. But my kids love Kirkwood, so I took them by for a minute. So there you go. The other place, by the way, is Cafe Pizzeria. Yes. It's, it's underrated. Nobody knows about it. It's a little sneaky spot of mine. Great pizza. I think the best pizza down there. Village Deli. Another one right there. There you go. All right, Sounds hey, healthy. let me know. <laughs> let me know when you're ready to go. We're going. All right, pal. It's the best of the best from today's broadcast lineup. Instant replay continues in a moment on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Instant Replay. This morning on the Wake Up Call with KB and Andy. All right, let's jump into it. Uh, Lost last night to the Raptors. We can talk about that and much more. Rick Carlisle, Pacers head coach, joining us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Coach, good morning. Let's start here. I guess, you know, I've been playing some pretty good basketball out of the break. What bothered you uh, the most uh, coming from last night's loss? And what do you think ultimately your team can learn from losing last night? Yeah, um, we struggled in a lot of areas, but I thought the the worst part of the night, uh, there were really two things uh, defensively. Um, our ability to contain the ball was very poor, and offensively the ball stuck, and we didn't, you know, we didn't have the same type of ball movement and assist numbers that we normally have. So uh, it was a it was a frustrating game and an ugly game. And um, give uh, give Toronto credit for how well they played, but uh, but we did not play well. Coach, obviously the shot making from Benedict Matherin last night was at a pretty high level, some of the difficulty there. What stood out to me since the All-Star break, a, a few more like little plays from him offensively. Obviously the rebounding, both ends of the floor, but look at the assist numbers. I, I just feel like he's making an extra pass or two, um, even if it's not showing up directly with that assist in the box score. What specifically have you seen from him here since the start of the break, or start of the second half? Well, he's doing... He's doing a lot of good things, and there's been a lot of growth and development. And um, you know, like last night, part of the a big part of our problem was we just we became too much of an ISO team, and we're that's just not who we are uh, when we play the style of game that we need to play. And you know, he's one of the guys that can rise up and and, and hit a shot or go in and manufacture something. And so he. He got on quite a roll um, in the third period, which really, really kept us in the game. I think we had, we had been down 12 um, in the third period, and uh, we got it back to even, or maybe, maybe even had a one-point lead. And then, uh, you know, we took a, a three-point deficit into the fourth. But he's rebounded better in recent games. Um, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, he's he's his assist numbers are, are better. Um, but 
you know, he, along with our entire team, struggled defensively. And, you know, one of the problems with running him big minutes last night was, you know, I think fatigue got to him. And, you know, he ended up giving up uh, a couple of big baskets down the stretch. So, you know, there's there there are some positives um, for certain guys, you know, if you're just going to look at scoring and things like that. But our defense and rebounding and um, our responsibility rotating defensively um, has got to be much, much better. Did you see anything different from what Toronto did in trying to take away Tyrese last night? They just played hard. And, you know, they did some different things where they were angling him on the court. And really, the the big thing for us was that we we just needed to get more stops and we needed to get the ball um, more free flowing and, and moving better. And so we just it was just it was sticky all night. And uh, so you know again give give them credit. I mean they were sitting on two days rest. Um, they've come out of the break with uh, with some real determination. You know they're trying to make the make the play in or the playoffs. Um, they're three and zero out of the break. Um, they got some, you know, they got some talented players and now their team is, is set. You know, I mean, you think about it, the first half of the season, you know, it was all about whether, you know, uh, what was going to happen with, with Siakam and what was going to happen with Ananobi. And those guys probably knew that they were going to get traded. And so, you know, there's just, uh, there's a lot of, things up in the air uh they don't have that issue now and uh and they're playing better pacers head coach rick carlisle with us here on the fan on this tuesday joins us on the pay less liquors hotline you guys two and nine on back-to-backs i think just one more uh coming up in a couple weeks uh, left this season is there anything you can do to combat that? Uh, I, I know what happens. You talked about it after the game that it's the NBA. Hey, they're going to be back-to-backs. But I guess how do you get better at that second game on a back-to-back? Is that possible? Yeah, it's possible. we gotta we got to defend and rebound better. I think that's the big thing. Um, you know, those two things are always going to be front and center for us. And, you know, last night was disappointing um, because – I think in the previous five games, you know, you, you can now look at, you know, your uh, trends, you know, um, you know, through the internet, through different analytic sites, and through your own metrics. Um, I, I believe before uh, last night's game, in our previous five games, that we were either top five or top seven in the in the league defensively, which is great, you know. But um, you know, you have a win, a great win against Dallas. Uh, it seemed like it felt like we were going to be in good shape last night. You know, with our starters not playing huge minutes uh, in the Dallas game, but you know, Toronto came out determined. Uh, they came out playing harder, and you know, they just got by us too many times. And you know, Pirtle sprained his ankle, I think, in the third quarter, or something like that. But he had he had fifteen and ten, you know, before he left the game, and and those are just plays where. You know, he's hanging around the basket and um, the the problems of, of dribble penetration loosened him up on the inside and then smaller guys when we switched, you know, needed to get a body on him, didn't do it. And so, you know, we just we were experiencing a lot of negative things that, you know, we needed to do better with. Two and one out of the break. They'll conclude this four-game homestand coming up tomorrow night. Again, national TV against the Pelicans. Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. I'm going to go back to the Dallas game, 104-100 in the fourth quarter. You take a timeout. Kyrie had scored. It was like nine straight. And come out of timeout, Ben Shepard hits a three. A couple possessions later, he hits another one, specifically with him. I thought that was such a huge sequence Sunday evening for you guys. What has he done to earn, obviously, you trade away Buddy Heal, he's going to play more. What has he done to earn your guys' trust here as a rookie? Well, he's very consistent defensively. Um, he's in the right place at the right time. Uh, and, you know, to to really demonstrate the difference in the two games, I mean, he made five threes in the Dallas game, stepped into some really good looks consistently, and all five of them went down. Last night he had three really good looks in the first half, and none of them went down. They were all online and hit the back rim. But from a process process standpoint, you know, that's that's exactly what you want. And, you know, as you, as you examine our team – um, last night, you know, he was uh, he was one of the guys um, 
who didn't didn't have a gaudy statistical night, but he's a plus one on the floor, you know. So he was doing a lot of good things. Um, your question is a good one. You know, uh, he he's because of his experience, you know, being a four year player, et cetera, and because of how he was coached in college, and uh, you know those kinds of things, he he comes to the NBA with with uh, with the tools, with the experience. Um, and with the abilities to be a, a, a good system player really right off the bat. And so, you know, in the game at Toronto 10, 11 days ago, you know, he had two big threes in the fourth. He defended Barrett on the last play, and, you know, Barrett missed the shot, and he battled him pretty well. And then uh, in the Dallas game, he played a, he played a big role. And, you know, last night he was he was solid, but, uh, but the shot-making wasn't there, but the process was good. So, um, you know, right now he's an important guy to us, especially with Neesmith out. Rick Carlisle with us here on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Yeah, that Sunday night, Coach, that was such a fun game uh, over Dallas. I know we had to, you know, we've led a lot with what happened last night with Toronto, but that game on Sunday uh, was a heck of a lot of fun. Doug McDermott leaves uh, right calf injury. Neesmith, Aaron Neesmith, still that right ankle has missed now three games. Uh, he's got to rest that about a week and a half, two weeks or so. Any update on either of those guys this morning? No, um, you know Aaron is Aaron is doing better. Um, we'll see if if tomorrow is is any kind of possibility. Uh, no, no more later today. Today's an off day, but uh, but he'll be in for treatment and uh, we'll do some core work. But he's getting closer. But um, I do not have a determination on whether he's going to be uh, ready to go. And um, you know I I would assume that Doug is probably going to be out. Um, you know, it's a, it's a calf injury. Um, and, you know, he was unable to return last night. So, but we'll see. It's, it's, it's hard for me to know exactly. Uh, New Orleans coming up two, uh, two times here in the next three nights. Coach, for you, obviously, first time you've seen them this season. Zion Williamson has been pretty healthy this year. Obviously, he's putting up big, big numbers. We haven't asked you a ton about, like, individual matchups throughout the year, but just the uniqueness in facing a guy like, like Zion. Well, now he's playing the majority at the point guard position. And so it's, uh, you know, it's just a, this is a different kind of look. Um, his playmaking ability is awesome. He passes great. Um, if he gets any kind of crevice at all, he is explosive at the rim. And if he misses, he's right back up there to tip it in or dunk it, you know? And so he's a, you know, he's a very, very unique player. Um, you know, last year, um, last year we we played him well in one game and won at home. Um, he still had some. He still had good numbers, but uh, he didn't go crazy against us. Um, I think in the second game he didn't play, and we played at New Orleans, and and we were un- unable to win that game. So, um, you know, we're going to have our hands full. Uh, you know, they've had some some injury stuff. Um, going on during the year. I know Ingram was out. He came back. He played uh, in the game two nights ago um, against Chicago. So they play the Knicks tonight uh, in New York, and we'll get them the second night of the back of a back-to-back. Uh, our game on Wednesday will be 7.30 instead of 7 o'clock. Um, and with the way their team is aligned right now, and I think they've got – they may have a, a guy or two that is out for our game with the suspension thing that came from the Miami game. Um, they're going to have a different kind of look personnel wise. Um, maybe not a true point guard as we know it. Uh, don't know the, the status of McCollum. He's been out and he's starting to shoot and get back on the floor a little bit. And so we'll see where he is tonight, whether he's back in the mix, but they got a lot of long athletic defenders. Um, they're a team that's very, very well built to switch. They rebound well um, with Alan Tunis, um, and they got to, they got some wings that they can shoot the ball. So, you know, it's it's another. It'll be another tough game in the NBA. Um, and important for us to bounce back after last night, but uh, but not easy. Rick Carlisle with us here on the Fanny Joins Us Payless Liquors Hotline. It's the wake-up call here on this Tuesday. You know, I'll ask you this. Uh, it's 
Listen, it's a corny question. I kind of feel like I'm going to know your answer, but it's something that we talk about a lot on here. You guys sit right now as the seven seed, and we know the difference of being the six or being the seven or the eight. How much do you guys talk about that, that you want to be in that top six and you don't want to be in the play-in situation being a seven, eight, or nine, obviously? How much is that a conversation within the team there? Well, when we do talk about it, we talk about getting to the top four. We're not talking okay. about the top six. That's giving into you know a, a, a lower a lower threshold, and we've got to think bigger than that. And uh, you know, we we talked last night before the game about you know the, these are the hard games, these are the very difficult games, especially coming off emotional wins that you gotta you gotta try to find a way to win if we want to. Uh, if we want to be where we desire to be, um, look, I, I thought I thought our effort in many ways was 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 pretty good, um, but uh, you know Toronto brought uh, an intensity and an energy to the game that that we just simply did not match. So that's disappointing. And now now the task is to clear our minds, get our bodies tuned back up, um, and get ready tomorrow because you know you got to. As you as you mentioned, you know we got a, a different kind of force of nature. I mean, you got Doncic one night, you got Barnes the next night. Well, I should say you got Doncic and Irving one night. You got you got Scotty Barnes and, and Barrett the next night. You know, and then uh, you know tomorrow we're gonna have we're gonna have Zion and, and we're gonna have uh, Valanciunas on the inside, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a big physical game. So we're gonna have to be ready. Again, 7.30 ESPN along with Bally. Coach, appreciate the time on this Tuesday morning, as always. Okay, thanks. Take care. Thanks again for listening to Instant Replay because second helpings are always best when the main course is still fresh. Instant Replay on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between.